Good morning, family. How's everyone doing today? Are we feel, feeling um, Christmassy yet? Is this one of those, I've had like year, Christmas years where like some of them where it comes and you're like in the spirit and it's like in and out like that, it's just gone. And then I've also had Christmas seasons where you come and it just kind of feels like another month, another day, and it just kind of, you never really kind of get into it. This one's different in the sense that I feel like we're here, I'm present of it, and just kind of enjoying each moment as it comes, just trying to pace myself and enjoy each day of the season, um, just kind of soaking it all up and appreciating it together. Today, I want to take a few minutes um, to really take a look at how can we be involved and engaged in this season. And we're going to do that by jumping into Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to read the first few verses there. I'll give you a second to uh, find that, Matthew chapter 25. And here's what it says. Now, this is Jesus talking, and he's giving us a, a, a parable. He says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy, and they fell asleep. Verse 6, at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him and the we- uh, into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later on, the others also came back. And Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. Lord, this morning I pray that this word Uh, that you have given us directly, first to your disciples and when you were here, breathing the air that we breathe. And here now, you continue to speak this to our spirit. So Lord, help us to glean the lesson that you're teaching us in this so that we can continue to grow and be prepared for you in every way. And thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. So the Christmas season is special, right? It's time where we get our families together for different kinds of activities and events, and we all have different types of traditions and gatherings that we do each year. But really, the most important part of it, like the reason kind of behind all of it, even though it kind of springs us into all these extracurricular things, the reason behind all of it is remembering that Jesus Christ came to earth as a human being on our behalf to teach us how to live and really to be now the sacrifice for us and break down that, that barrier between us and God that kept us away from him. We don't, we don't even know right now, today, what it was like when that barrier existed because it was gone long before we were even born into this world. He came and he undid that. He's the one who tore that 
wall down, and that's why he came. So during this season, we call Advent, which is the word for coming, comes from the Latin word Adventus, the coming. We look back and we remember the coming that was prophesied. It was prophesied since, since way in the beginning, since the first, since the fall. In Genesis chapter 3, it was prophesied that there was going to come a Savior, a human being, to come and save all of humanity. And he did that. He came. But we, we tend to kind of overlook the distance, the amount of time that actually happened, that actually occurred from all of the prophecies until he finally came. Because from our stance, like, it's all history now. It's all been done, so now we can see how it all played out. But in these times, there were centuries and millennium that transpired before the word and the prophecies were fulfilled. But we look back and we say, it was promised that he was going to come, and we can look to the day of Jesus' birth and say, that promise is fulfilled. You can check the box off. He did what he said he was going to do. So we take that and we say, they waited for it, and, it, and, it, and he, they received the promise. He came as he said he was going to come. And as we look back to that fulfilled promise, it reminds us, we still are here waiting for him to come again. Not for him to be born and, and be birthed again, but we're waiting for his promised return. He's coming back. He reminds us that he came into the world and he overcame the world, and now he's coming to take us with him. See, Advent isn't just about looking back to what happened, but it reminds us to look forward with expectancy to his next arrival. With all of the, the, the busyness and the things that keep us going during the Christmas season, all the hustle and bustle that, that we get caught up in, these things are all good and they're great as long as we don't allow them to become distractions from what we're looking forward to with expectancy. See, instead of being distractions, these things, these activities can be used and, and really should be part of our preparation for what we're looking ahead to. It's part of our getting ready for the ultimate celebration that we're all waiting for. It's practice for the greatest party that's ever going to go down in the entire, in, in, the, in all of existence. <laughs> so let's party hard this year. Come on. <laughs> but that's what the scripture today is all about. As we read in Matthew chapter 25, it's about preparing, preparing for what is ahead. See, in here, Jesus tells us this parable. It's this story with, with a, a heavenly meeting. It's about the kingdom of heaven and specifically about being prepared, ready for the Lord's return, what that's going to be like. So he's comparing it in this story, he says, to 10 virgins. And that word, that word for virgins is parthenois, which is really just young maiden. It's a young lady. It's a young woman, an unmarried, unmarried young girl. So he's talking about why they emphasize virgins. I don't know why they choose to use that. It's just a young maiden. He's talking about these, these young maidens that are waiting to receive the bridegroom. And so they're in, they're, they get the invitation. They know that the celebration is coming close. It's about to go down. He's going to be returning. And so they grab their lamps. They get ready, and they go wait at the place where he's going to be coming. And he seems to be delayed. Something's happening. He's not, he's not coming, and they kind of all fall asleep. 
and they're just waiting for his return. Now, this, this story was, was very fitting. It was in, in the culture and the customs of the time because the way that a marriage would go down is the groom would go to the bride's house and they would finish the contract and the deal and the organization and they, he would get his bride and the bride and the groom together would come home. It was almost like, here's the ceremony at the bride's house, then they come to the groom's house for the reception. So these, these young maidens are waiting for the bride and the groom to come together for the reception that's about to happen. And because, of, this is, because the ceremony and all of the, the legal terms are being figured out and worked out at the bride's parents' house, you don't exactly know the right the time that he, they're going to be back. So they're there with their lamps and they're waiting. It's expected that they're going to be late. It says that they brought their lamps with them. They know it's going to be late in the day and they just don't know when. How late is it going to be? Is it going to be 11 p.m.? Is it going to be 3 in the morning? They don't know. They just have to be ready to receive him. So he's delayed a little bit longer than they expected, apparently. And then finally, they arrive, he arrives, and they all grab their lamps. And immediately, immediately, it says, five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. And the difference was those five that were wise had gathered and prepared oil. They had made provisions just for the, sta- for, the, for the happenstance where if he should be delayed longer than they expected. They thought ahead. They prepared. They gathered what they may need. And certainly enough, they did end up needing it. But those who didn't have the right provisions, those young maidens who weren't ready, they had to hurry and scramble and try to get ready. But it was too late for them. They had to go and find oil. And by the time they came back, nobody was around. They were all inside the gate. What this parable seems to teach us is that not all who plan to receive the Lord will be prepared to receive the Lord. That's not an easy word to digest, but it gives us something certainly to consider. See, just like Mary and Joseph got the revelation that the baby Jesus was going to be coming and there were preparations and provisions that they had to make so that they would be ready to receive this child, we too have been given the revelation that Jesus is coming again. And so even for us, there are preparations to be made while we wait on the Lord's coming. His delay is serving a purpose. Our time now here while we're waiting is intended for us to be preparing to receive him when he comes. And he said in verse 13, keep watch because we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when it's going to go down. But he's been very plain and clear. It's going to happen. Keep watch. Be ready. So when the moment comes, there's no surprise. You're ready. You've been waiting for this. This is what you've prepared for. Earlier this year, um, Sly and I had our 15-year uh, wedding anniversary, and she threw me a surprise wedding vow renewals. And it was absolutely, what's that? It was absolutely amazing because I, I, I arrived at the place and she had made all of these wonderful, beautiful plans. And it was, it was so cool to be able to show up and see everything, all the provisions that had been made. And it was so fun. I don't know, has anybody ever been part of a surprise celebration for anything at any point? Those can be the coolest things, but it's also something you have to be really careful with because they can go bad 
really quickly. Anytime you're trying to keep secrets from someone, you just never know how it's going to play out. There's some controls in there, some variables you just don't have control over. I heard this one story of a girl who threw a uh, surprise party for her boyfriend, who was a, uh, a judo student. So he walks into the room, and they all jump out at him, surprise! And he didn't know what was going on. He grabbed her, flipped her over the table, and broke her arm. <laughs> there was, there was a, this other, um, oh, this was really a tough one. There was this other, uh, there's an older man, well-loved man in his community. And so they wanted to throw him a party. He was turning 63. So it was 50-plus people that were in on this, along with his wife. And so his wife and him, they were away on a trip. And the day they returned, they had planned all this. So over 50 people were in his backyard hiding behind this seven-foot-tall fence. They pull in the driveway. His wife is walking and kind of like leads him unexpectedly. She's leading him into the backyard, opens the gate, and then this small army just jumps out at him. Surprise! And the party was cut short that night because he took a stroke and ended up in the hospital for the rest of the evening. (laughs) Sometimes these things don't go exactly as they're planned. (laughs) Here's the good thing about this celebration, this return that the Lord is, that he's coming. It's not a surprise. It's not a secret. He's not throwing a surprise party, right? He's been preparing for us. He's telling us that the, the kingdom is like this celebration, and he wants us to be involved in it. He's giving us all the information that we need to know. It's not a secret. He wants us to get ready. He's told us his plans loud and clear. The invitations have been sent, and we all have one. It's right here. Everything we need to know is here. We don't have all the details. Some things, yeah, the host is taken care of, and we'll find out when the time comes. But all that we need to know, the invitation, it's here. It's all set. In John 15, 11, I love it, the words of Jesus, he said, everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Everything that the Father revealed to Jesus, he told us. He didn't keep anything from us. He said, you guys are my friends. You're not even my servants anymore. You're my friends. I'm telling you everything. I'm spilling my guts. What I know, you know. If the Father told me, I told you. It's not a secret. He's revealing himself. His desire is to reveal himself to us. And this is what he's done. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, it says this. This is according to the Lord's word. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and and with the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first, and after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we, we will be together, we will be with the Lord forever. This is our destiny. This is our future. This This is what we're waiting for. This is the moment that here now, while we're still breathing this air, we're preparing for. He's coming back. We're going to be together, and we're going to be with him. Some of us have people that have gone to be with him, and we're going to be with them. 
all of us reunited together with the Father for all of eternity. This is what we have lying ahead. There's no secret. There's no secret. He wants us to know. Matter of fact, the scripture talks about the importance of knowledge. In Hosea 4, 6, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He wants us to know. The only reason that we would lack knowledge is because we don't take and use the invitation that he's given to us. In another place, in Proverbs 29, 18, he says this, where there is no revelation, I love the way another version puts it, where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. The Lord has told us everything we need to know, and his spirit continues to teach us everything that we need. The story goes on to say, at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him, the time has come. And so all the virgins, they woke up, they trimmed their lamps, they got it ready, and then those five young ones who hadn't been prepared realized that their oil was burning out, the flame was extinguishing, and they weren't ready. They asked the, uh, the other five, give us some of your oil so our lamps, because our lamps are going out. And the five wise said, no, we can't. There might not be enough for all, both of us. So instead, go to the same person that we went to and get your oil and then come back quickly. <laughs> they had pre- preparations and provisions that needed to be made. I think sometimes we fall into this kind of mindset where we are waiting for Jesus' return, and we kind of see it almost, almost as though we're sitting at the bus stop, sitting on the bench, and just waiting with nothing to do but keep ourselves preoccupied, bide our time. But waiting for his return is not a holding pattern. It's not sitting at a bus stop and just watching the world go by. Waiting for his return has purpose, and you have purpose in it. He wants us to be getting ready. He wants us to be prepared. This purpose, as long as we're still breathing, he has plans and intentions. This is an active time for us. This is not a passive time for us to watch other people go around, for other people to do things, and we're just, it doesn't matter how we spend our time because we're just waiting for him to get back. It matters how you use your time. Your time is given to you to prepare. You have that time to get ready. These are the words of Jesus. Keep watch. For anybody who's ever planned a major event, a wedding or an anniversary celebration or anything, you know what an undertaking that that can be. It takes time, planning, money, coordination, a lot of patience. But the first step when you want to plan something is to set out the timeline. The days are numbered. You only have a certain amount of time. And so you have to make sure that all the, all the steps in getting ready are done in the right order so that when the day comes, all of those provisions have been made. See, all of the work, all the intentionality, all the preparation, that happens beforehand so that when the day of the event arrives, 
There's nothing left to do but, but celebrate, enjoy, be present in the moment. All the preparations come together for that moment. Later on in this chapter of Matthew 25, it says this, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, and take your inheritance, the kingdom that was prepared for you since the creation of the world. He offers us, he says, take your inheritance, your inheritance which has been prepared for you. See, he's preparing for us. The beautiful part about this celebration that we are waiting for is that God is the host. It's his party. He's the one putting this thing on. We're all invited to it, but as the host, the Lord is the one responsible to get all the provisions together. He's the one doing all the planning. And he left a long time ago to get ready when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. How cool is this to think when he he said these words about 2,000 years ago, and as we read them today, we are closer today to that day of the fullness of preparation to his return than any human that has ever lived on this earth. Every day that passes, we are one day closer. This is our inevitable destiny. We are going to be caught up with the Lord, and we're going to be together with him, with our families and loved ones forever. This is where we're going. And today we're closer than we were yesterday and than any other generation before us. It's coming. It's here. You can almost taste it and smell it. It's coming. It's close. We're closer than ever before. But even now... There's still a part that we need to be playing to get ready. This parable is making it abundantly clear. See, the young women waiting, they were responsible just to be ready at any given moment. They all had flame in their lamps at the start. When they received that word that he was going to be coming soon, they all grabbed their lamps, they all lit it, and they had the flame there. But with time, their oil ran low. And for those who weren't prepared, they weren't able to fill it up. Those who had not personally gone to get their provisions and filled up, they ended up without a flame by the time the groom arrived. They were left with empty vessels, nothing left inside. There's a lesson that we can learn here that our preparation today makes for greater joy tomorrow. We can't put off today We can't put off for tomorrow what can be done today because we've been given today for that purpose, to do everything that we can do today. And this is how we get ourselves ready. So what does that preparation actually look like for us? How do we get filled up and stay on fire? See, we know that at salvation, when we come to accept Christ, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. For anyone who's read the story of Acts chapter two, that day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came on them and remember what was floating over their heads? Flames of fire. And that represented the presence of the Holy Spirit that was in them. So when we come and place our faith in the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and the flame is lit we're automatically filled up with oil and he ignites it and we are lit on fire for the Lord. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us. He's he's got us on fire. 
That's where he wants us to be, to stay on fire. And that's not something that you can do. You don't ignite that fire. You don't fill yourself up. That's a work of the Lord. That's a part where we just say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. Yes, I believe. And the Holy Spirit comes on. And the presence of the Lord is not around you, but in you, in us. We're filled up and set on fire. So the work at, that, at, at this point is not hard. The preparation is just a matter of continuing to be in the presence of God with intentionality, continuing to receive and be filled up day and day again. That flame is going to continue to burn as long as we are mindful and heed the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, staying connected to him who is our source. That's that jar of oil that continues to pour into us so we don't run dry because he's pouring in as fast as it's burning out. It's all the Lord. We're that vessel, and our, our work is to be a vessel that is filled up rather than emptied out. He does the filling. We just position our cup where he wants us to be. How do we prepare for the day? What are the practical steps? I want to list just a couple things that we can and and ought to be doing to make sure that we are heeding the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us. One of them is this, that is so important and gets overlooked in, in our culture, like in our generation right now, is conscious silence. Conscious stillness. In other words, not sleeping, but sitting awake and shutting the door to everything else. In other words, hitting the airplane mode on your phone so you can't even get interrupted with texts. Shutting the door on the world and and sitting in intentional silence so that all of the bustle and the busyness that's happening around, everything that's kind of in your mind happening, like almost like when you've got 15 windows open on your computer, they're all open, they're all running. Well, all these things that are going on in our mind, they can start to just close and shut off. So all these things that would take up our mental energy and our time, can, we can begin to shut those things down and we're concentrating on the presence of the Lord. Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Just sit in the stillness. We have to be able to just sit in stillness. Well, I don't know what to think about. I don't know what to do. My mind wanders. Okay, let it wander. It's going to wander, especially if this is something that is not already a habit that you do. When you first start to do it, your mind's going to wander, but sit there anyway. Because after a certain amount of time, all those things will begin to sink to the bottom and will be able to be just present in that silence. And if you make this a habit, we find that the impressions of the Holy Spirit become louder and louder because all of the voices, all of the busyness, it gets hushed. There's no more room for that because you're giving space to the Holy Spirit. Be filled up and prepared. Another way is, of course, through prayer and and direct communication with the Lord. Ephesians 6.18 reminds us to pray continually with all kinds of requests at all times. And, And again, Scripture, allowing Scripture to come in and kind of nourish 
really our spirit. John 6, 63, Jesus said that his words are spirit and life. And when we take in scripture, when we take in his words, we are taking in his life and refreshing our spirit with his. Another way that we can practically prepare ourselves for the Lord's coming is through service, sharing the things that we've been given, our skills, our resources even, um, our time, and sharing that with others. Romans 12 is one of the many places that tells us about how, as believers in Christ, we don't belong to ourselves anymore because now we're part of a whole. We're part of a body. It actually says in verse 5, we belong to one another. Romans 12 tells me that I belong to you. And so how do I prepare myself for the, for the Lord's coming? Give myself to you, serve you with what he's been given me. And then this, a final way I want to mention that we can prepare ourselves is by sharing the simple gospel message, by letting ourselves carry that on our lips and share that with the people around us. Romans 10 talks about the importance of those who don't yet know the message of Jesus Christ having to hear it. Well, how will they hear it if we don't speak it? And if how, how will we speak it if we're not even going to these places? It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the message of the gospel. Sharing with others, helping others to prepare for the Lord's coming is a way that we prepare for the Lord's coming. See, living a life of preparation is to be constantly poured into day after day by the oil of the Holy Spirit to be kept on fire with that growing flame. It, instead of diminishing and decreasing, it's growing, it's strengthening, it's becoming brighter, and it's lighting the fires all around you as well. It's a life of constant renewal, day by day, being in his presence. See, those wise young maidens knew that they needed a source greater than their lamps alone could, hit, could, hit, could hold. What they possessed in that little lantern, was not going to cut it. And so they went out and they found a greater source. Those foolish women, they had their lamps, they, but they were filled when they first had it, and it burned out. They emptied out. They took the flame for granted and assumed that it was always going to stay lit. Just because it was lit now, why wouldn't it be lit tomorrow or the day after? They took it for granted and assumed they didn't have anything to do with keeping it flame. They had nothing to do with to steward that. Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says this. Simply, don't quench the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We also have the ability to ignore it. That's not taken from you. And so when, if we neglect the Holy Spirit who's been placed in us, that the voice of the Holy Spirit, the impressions of the Holy Spirit, those will begin to diminish. The oil will burn low. The flame will get smaller and smaller. And when we aren't ready and the day arrives, if we're not prepared, there's anxiety and there's struggle to find the flame that in our negligence we let it go out. And I think this is interesting too. You see what they did when they realized that their flame was going out? 
Their first reaction wasn't to go and get filled up. Their first reaction was to run to the wise young women that were filled up. They tried to get filled up by the other people around them. But there wasn't enough to go around. We need to stay on, to stay on fire. We can't depend on any source other than Jesus himself preparing ourselves. Other people don't prepare you. Other people's preparations aren't preparations for your life. You can only prepare for yourself. And your neighbor can only prepare for themselves. We can't go to them to prepare ourselves. No one is enough. No person is enough to fill you up if you aren't getting filled up by the one true source. And it's as simple as that. Those young maidens who weren't ready, they had to go back to the source themselves. There's a woman by the name of Ellen White who wrote a book called uh, Christ the Object Lesson. She said this about the foolish virgins. She said, the foolish virgins, they're not hypocrites. They care about the truth. They have advocated for the truth. They are attracted to those who believe in the truth, but they have not yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit's working. They have not fallen upon the rock that is Christ Jesus and permitted their old nature to be broken up. Verse 10 of Matthew 25, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready, they went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. They ran and scrambled to fill up their oil lamps once again. As they are away purchasing the oil, the party all enters into the house and the door is shut, closed. They come back, they find it closed, they find it that way and they begin banging on the door. And what, are the, what, are, what were they told? I don't know you. See, that bride and groom, they were in the house and the party had already started. All of their friends, all the ones that had invitations, all the ones that were ready for them and waiting, they were waiting when the bride and groom arrived. They're the main event. When the time came, the main event arrived and the party begun and the door was closed. It's about them. See, it was, it had been, it was already the middle of the night. The party's going on. Everyone who wanted to be there was already there. They were waiting for them. They had received them. But think about it when, when a party is going on. If you're not invited, but you, you, you can imagine neighbors living a house down, a few houses down. They hear music playing. They hear laughing and joy. And they say, oh, I, I, want, I want in on that. And they go knock on the door. I don't know you. If you weren't here when the party started, you didn't have an invitation. I don't know you. He doesn't know who's banging at the door. All he knows is people hear a party and they want in. We need to be prepared the day that he comes, not the day after. When he, when he does arrive, we're here to be ready with open arms, ready to receive. Now those wise young women, with their oil was full, they were ready, they received him with joy, and so they entered that celebration. They went in to that party, and their joy, the thing that they had been anticipating, expecting, waiting for for all that time, their joy was made complete. Their preparedness paid off because they were able to enjoy in the moment. 
There was nothing left to think about. The preparations were made. See, preparedness gets us excited and brings completion of joy. Jesus said in John chapter 15, speaking about staying connected and being filled up, he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He wants you joyful. He wants you at the celebration. He tells us everything we need to know so that we can do our part and prepare. And our only part of preparing is receive. As time passes and we're waiting for the day to come, anticipation builds. The closer it gets, the more that that excitement builds, especially if we are making provisions we're preparing, we're, we're, we're building our life, we're, we're spending our time around getting ourselves ready for that moment. Every day that we spend preparing, we get more excited. Hey, this is the whole purpose. The whole reason I'm doing this is for that moment. And so that every day that it gets closer, the more excitement that I have for that, the more I can look forward to that. When I was a kid, I was a um, complete, like, complete nerd in the fact that I loved, um, I loved, do it, not homework, but like taking tests and getting back because in the, at least in elementary school, it was like all high A's or 100s. So like a 96 used to like stress me out. I was like disappointed by like those, that one question I was wrong. And so when it came time to like test day, I couldn't wait to take that test because I knew a day or a couple days later, I was going to get it back. And I couldn't wait to see that A on that paper. And this is the thing about being prepared. Like, like when you're prepared for something, you can't wait for that moment to come. When you're ready for a test, you can't wait to have that on your desk and go through that. When there's something that, that you're looking for, and, and yeah, for some it might be a little tricky, it might be a little hard, but you've done the hard work now, you can't wait for that moment. And, and there's a place where it talks about how the Lord is coming, and he's gonna be, he is our judge, and we're gonna stand before him by ourselves well, you don't have to be scared of that. You know the judge. You got the hookup. You're ready for that moment. So we don't, we don't look at that moment nervously, scared. We look at that with anticipation. I can't wait to stand before my Lord. That's the moment of joy. That's the moment I'm waiting for. Standing before him, are you kidding me? Looking him eye to eye? I can't wait for that. That doesn't scare us because you're prepared. You know everything you need to know. And now we just sit and we just bask in his presence and prepare our hearts in every way. He's coming again, and now, today, is our greatest opportunity to prepare for that coming. It's not too late. It's also not too early. Today is just the right time to plan our preparations. So that's my question for this morning. Are we prepared? Are we preparing? His promise to return is growing closer. And the celebration that is, is about to happen is going to exceed even our wildest imagination. It's going to be a joyous time. Completion of joy. And Jesus said, keep watch. Be ready for the moment. Are we ready for that? Considering that this day this arrival could happen any day. How does that make us feel? 
How do you feel about that consideration happening today, tomorrow, this week? Does that bring completion of joy? Does that bring a little bit of tension, a little nervousness? I'm not quite sure if I'm prepared. How does that make us feel? Preparing today brings joy and secures that joy for all eternity. And it's as simple as just receiving what he's trying to pour into us. He does all the work. Our preparation is to be with him, to stay on fire, to keep that flame burning. In Matthew 5, he talks about how we are the light. He has lit us on fire with his presence, and his intention is that our lamps stay burning bright for all to see. It's not something to hide. It's not something to neglect and take for granted. It's something to hold high and let it shine, let it burn, let it radiate, let the heat come off of that thing and be felt by those around us. And how does this happen? How does this occur? It's by heeding to the presence of the Holy Spirit that is in each and every one of us. So my encouragement as we go today and then into the rest of this Christmas season is allow this preparation to continue to take place inside of us. Heed the Holy Spirit that is in you. Spend that time in silence and solitude. Spend time in prayer, in service to others, in sharing the gospel, in letting your hope be spoken out for others to experience too. Let's be prepared in every way so that when that day comes and Jesus Christ returns, our flame is burning brighter than the day that it was first lit and we're ready to escort him and lead into the party. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for telling us everything that you know. Everything the Father told you, you've given it to us and you're not trying to hide anything. Thank you for making the provisions for us. Thank you for doing the hard work. Thank you for hosting the celebration that is, that is getting ready to happen and for inviting us into it. Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would draw us deeper into your presence. Draw us to that place of being filled up day by day and not just expending what you first placed into us, not letting that burn down and run out, but being in your presence, taking advantage of the fact that you now dwell within us. We want more. We want the flame that you've given to us, God, to grow. We want to share it. We want to light this world up for you with your truth, your love, and goodness. So Father, let it first take place in us. Let this renewal, this revival, the strength of your presence, God, increase in us that we would carry it everywhere that you lead our feet. We love you so much today, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.